0: Corn Out of Five, Scotland, you're listening to Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your hosts Stuart Scotland and Magic Mike Christie. Yep. Welcome to episodes 205 of the Films and Swearing movie podcast and welcome to the second week of Nevermind, it's November. Today we will be reviewing... Wes Anderson's The Royal Tenenbaums from 2001, 2002. I've seen conflicting dates, but I think it might have been released in 2001 in the United States and 2002 in the United Kingdom. I will check. Mm. When I was sort of in the last minute prep today, it kept coming up as 2002, but I think it might have had like a January release yeah. in the United Kingdom. So I'll point this piece of trivia for anyone listening at home. Before we get started with today, I mean, holy shit, a few things have happened since we last recorded. know yeah.
1: I, you... I had an eye test for the first time in like three, four years. And what's the, the prognosis? Um, none's changed significantly. Do, uh, doctor. The, doctor? Uh, the optician
0: just <clears throat> said, I need an upgrade. <laughs> so... I think it's about time you gave us more money, Mr Christie. Uh <laughs>
1: Well, so i actually—I used the um, the free NHS eye test at Sweatsaber. Oh. So I'm now registered with them. Oh, right. So went and bought my frames today, and I picked them up on Wednesday. Ah. Because I was you kind know, of noticing that, like, I've had I've had these ones for about maybe what six, seven years. Mm-hmm. So I think I definitely need a new pair.
0: Is your vision back to like a VHS quality? Um. Hoping to go we'll
1: back to. What, when they done the test through like all my life with the optician i see my left eyes like, like the weakest one sort of thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So after done the test and what was on like my last set uh, of notes he was like this is what your eyesight is now and this is what it is on the glasses. Mm-hmm. So he's obviously going to be fixing
0: me up a pair which I
1: mean did like, not as much of a difference
0: anyway.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, as long as it's not like your right one's normal and the left one's a milk bottle. Yeah. So, as long as it's not that, I'm sure you'll be fine. hmm So, when you're talking about your frames there, are you going for, like, the traditional Big Bruce Lee hangover sunglasses? Or? No,
1: no, Um. A little bit, uh, these are a bit more modern. Oh, hipster style. Ah, I, I mean, there are no, like, designer frames of that. I just didn't see the point in paying for a $3 for a fucking oh, pair exactly. of frames. Oh, eh? but it's just the name you're paying for it.
0: Aye
1: the pair I see was like 70 quid or something so it's like they're kind of like plastic they're kind of like they look almost like Oakley sunglasses a wee bit Okay. but they're fully like they're not just the the, the ones that highlight like the lenses like mm-hmm. at the bottom man. it's got like the, f- the framework around them
0: okay alright other than that Stan Lee died I know <laughs> I literally
1: got home on Monday night and uh, one of the boys, like he's also a massive comic book fan, eh? Aye. And he like had hey, we've got this group chat, we like me, him, and another lassie for work. And it was just him, like, like having
3: the fucking,
0: I uh, having a fucking meltdown, aye. Oh, well, uh, that was it. It was, it was a like tea time on Monday where it kind of broke. Margaret told me when she was looking at her phone. Then I had my f- my phone was uncharged, so by the time I looked at it had two messages, i been tagged on Twitter, a guy from our work messaged me and going, holy shit, fucking Stan Lee. Fuck. Well, it is shocking, but you also think, boy's a good age.
1: Now remember, he was no longer in the media
0: a while ago for... Um, oh, fuck, we like selling his blood. Aye. Aye, like carers were mistreating him. Yeah. And I mean, the boy is was 95 years old, I a know. good age... And what was it? They were doing blood tests for no particular reason. Yeah. So I think there's going to be the, the fucking clones of Stan Lee in but the near future. I've
1: been... What's the word? I've been minor inconvenienced. Yes. But it's
0: just... <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, it's a shame, but... Yeah. Such a fucking legacy. Like, I can't think of anyone else, maybe other than Walt Disney, to leave such a legacy behind him because, other than, I mean, let's see, obviously, famous comic book writer, editor, publisher, from 1940 through to, like, 2010, and all the stuff he done at Marvel, like, his collaborations with Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko, together they created Spider-Man, Incredible Hulk, Thor, Iron Man, the, the X-Men, uh, Fantastic Four, Black Panther, Daredevil, fucking Doctor Strange, and Ant Man, so more or less majority of the the Marvel Cinematic Universe came for this man. Yeah, like I think Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, obviously Captain America were created by other people, but fucking hell, that's three quarters of that roster. Yeah, came from Stan Lee. So for him, they those comics, and then what? It's fucking spiraled out to nowadays. Yeah, he will be remembered like. Walt Disney, probably maybe, fucking higher than Walt Disney.
1: Yeah, even I, though I think, is this generation's Walt Disney?
0: Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Um, it says obviously, following his retirement, he remained a figure, a public figurehead for the company. He was in charge until like the late nineties, and kind of stood back for being head of the company and just kind of went back to doing what he loved. Yeah. And then when it came to the films, just the boy was just this serial cameo appearance, yeah. machine. I mean, Anything I had Marvel on it. I mean, I still, I still remember his uh, cameo in War when he was talking to Brody. I've got that clip lined up for us to play. Aye, yeah. Aye. <laughs> it's like one of those the the least likely uh, Stan Lee clips you will ever see.
1: Because I was, um also I read what Kevin Smith had said, and I was reading stuff today and he'd done like a two-hour eulogy hey mm-hmm. on Stan at one of his things last night. Oh, a podcast thing. Yeah, and I was watching a, a video on like Watch Mojo, and it was like the top ten cameos in aye. Marvel films. And yeah. number one was like every Stan Lee performance. I was like,
0: obviously, <laughs> aye. Because I mean, even this year he cameoed in the the DC animated movie uh, Teen Titans go to the movies oh did aye and he shows up and he's like hey it's me Stan Lee doing my Stan Lee cameo and somebody whispers like Stan this Teen Titans this is a DC movie it's not Marvel It's he's like it's not Marvel yikes and runs away uh. and then before the end of the scene he comes back saying I don't care if it's not Marvel I'm doing a cameo anyway <laughs> and so it's just like everyone knows what and I think that's what people loved is like a, a wee bonus in amongst your Marvel movies, is wonder if Stan Lee's going to show
1: up yeah. at some point. You never had a cameo in like Jason Emmy or that, did you? Because that was that was no. kind of more focused on like the comic book, yes. I, Jason Lee's it?
0: character, yeah. They were comic book writers and like, an artist and a writer. Um, I'm trying to think, I than like Kevin, well, within Kevin Smith's work, I remember him from All Rats. Don't think he was in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back but I do know he was the security guard in Yoga Hoosers. Yeah. Aye. And he utters the lines like damn yoga hosers and yeah. hangs up on them. Cause I think like Stanley adored Kevin Smith. Yeah. and it'd always say to him, When are you doing it like a mole's rats too or when are you gotta do this? Because yeah. like, he was always like fucking more th- like more than a cameo. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, but aye, I think it did come out earlier in the year that yeah, he was suffering from issues with uh, pneumonia. Uh, so we're I, I've i not read anything that's confirmed it, but people are assuming, most likely due to complications of the pneumonia, he's finally passed away. Yeah. So, about fucking 95, what an age. I mean, they've got a quote here from uh, Roy Thomas. Uh, who succeeded Lee as the editor-in-chief of Marvel. He had went and seen him two days before his death, and he describes it. I think he was ready to go, but he was still talking about doing more cameos. (laughs) He says, uh, as long as he had the energy for it, and he didn't have to travel, Stan was always up to do some more cameos. He got a kick out of those more than anything else. So to the end, he wanted to fucking do a wee cheeky. Walk on somewhere, and that's I think he has. A,
1: uh, people are
0: saying that the Russos confirmed that he's filmed his one for Avengers. Yeah, so and I remember James Gunn talking about they'd filmed them in bulk, uh, so I think his Ant Man, Doctor Strange. I think like they were doing like the next few films. They're all probably filmed over the course of a weekend, and then just carefully edited into their movies. Because to be honest, not, I've only seen it once, but I can't remember if he popped up in Black Panther. I can't mind that, I've only watched it once as well. Uh, I can't imagine him being like the only White Tribes person like at the waterfall watching them fight. <laughs> the Excelsior, Excelsior. <laughs> watching Michael B. Jordan knock lumps out of uh, mm-hmm. Chad, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. But as I said, we we're going to play a wee clip as we do. So let's pull up his. Now, it is a long clip, but it's Stan Lee, so fuck it, let's let it roll.
4: The Fantastic Four, Reed Richards. Can his whole body stretch? I mean, every part, you know, like his... I I know what you mean.
5: We never really tackled stuff like that in the old days. I mean, what with the comic book code and all. I can't believe I'm
4: standing here talking to you. You're responsible for the greats. Let's do the list. Spider-Man. Guilty. The Incredible Hulk. Afraid so. Oh, man, this is so cool. The X-Men.
5: Now that you mention it shit man you are a god hey look at that couple boy they sure seem to be in love huh
4: you know what's with that that's the second time you've commented on couples in love
5: well i I like that sort of thing tell me do you have a girlfriend brody had one
4: we just broke up the thing is this dork made of orange rock like the rest (laughs) of his body
5: (laughs) it's a superhero secret Tell me, Brody, uh, why did you and your girlfriend break up?
4: She was a pain in the ass. She wanted me to be this typical boyfriend guy. Said I was too into my own world of comics and all.
5: Yeah, I can relate. There was a time when it was all about comics for me. You know, I, I had a girl probably the same as yours. She always complained that I spent too much time with my own comics. And, uh... Eventually, we broke up. See, what did she know? Here you are now, a legend in the field. Probably had a slew of women since her, am I right? Oh, lots of women. Jagger and me, we had a running contest to see who had the most. Matter of fact, last time I looked, I was way ahead.
4: Damn, that's hot!
5: But I never forgot that girl.
4: Well, did you ever get back together with her?
5: One day, I found out she got married. I had blown it. I had uh, missed my window. What'd you do? I went on with my life. I created some special new superheroes. Uh, They were characters that reflected my own heartbreak and my own regrets. How so? Dr. Doom wears body armor to conceal his own mangled form. Right? Yeah. Okay. That was me beneath the armor, the Hulk. A normal guy one minute, a rage of emotions the next just like me when I thought about what I'd given up. So you created each character as a way to do with your one big regret. Yeah, the girl that got away. Look, do yourself a favor, Brody. Don't wait, because all the money, all the women, even all the comic books in the world, they can't substitute for that one person. I don't know all the comics in the world. Trust me, true believer. Well, good talking to you. Keep up all the good work. You keep reading them. I'll keep writing them.
4: Hey, Stan. Yeah. She really meant that much to you?
5: Brody, I'd give it all up. All of it. For just one more day with her. Take care.
0: So, uh, probably the most screen time he's ever fucking had.
2: Most (laughs) dialogue
1: he's ever had. Like that whole clip is probably like the length of like all always
0: cameos put together. Exactly, like 18 cameo appearances put together because I don't I think he's... Obviously he's he was never to be an actor, so nah. he's never but that's probably the biggest part he's ever been given. And that was like Kevin Smith's second film.
3: Yeah.
0: And it was one of those things, you watch it and it's like, Stan Lee doesn't look like Stan Lee in it. Right? Well, Stan Lee's always looked old. He looks like a young old Yeah. back there. So... Well, I was going to say here we toast, but well, I'll clink my bottle of beer with your bottle of juice. Excelsior. <laughs> oh. And prior to the passing of Stanley, there was also news that Douglas Rain passed away. Now, I didn't know the name when I first saw it, but he famously played the voice of Hal. 9,000, uh, from 2001, A Space Odyssey, from Stanley Kubrick. Mm. So he was the voice of the computer, the the famous computer. And to be honest, when skimming through an article on the Guardian website today, he wasn't much of an actor. He was always really more of a a stage actor, doing Broadway and Shakespeare. And this was one of the few roles he got. And it was not that... He was uh, looking for work just work never came to him. So doing this role in 2001 A Space Odyssey kind of gave him a chance to more or less leave his legacy. Like One of the most fucking memorable voices and some of the more fucking memorable lines. Let's see, I've also pulled that clip for this but turns out that Douglas passed away from just natural causes at the age of 90 uh, in a hospital in Ontario. It's still one of the films I've still not seen yet. And it's, I've I've gotten a copy of it, it's not really, it's like a a second-hand DVD, but it's one of those things, every time I watch it, it still really impresses me, like, again it feels like there's three films, and the one in the middle is really good, yes, the second act is fucking brilliant, and it's just the camera work. I was just looking at my search issue on Google there, and when I first typed in 2001 Space Odyssey, it was camera tricks, camera styles, and it is, the cinematography is fucking mind-bending in some scenes, so yeah. when we get to do podcasts like that, I'll be feverishly waiting for folks' opinions to say, what do you think about that bit? What about that bit?
1: So, I'm, I'm pretty confident it's probably in IMDb's top 250.
0: Like. It definitely is, yes. Uh, because that's it, it is one of the fucking biggest sci-fi. And like that's like, I've, when I've like
1: heard folk talking about it, <clears throat> it's always a, kind of like a divide. Mm-hmm. Like some folks say that it's fucking brilliant, some folks say that it's alright, but it's just really long. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I've, I have seen it once fully in cinemas. Uh, it was just like playing during the Edinburgh Film Festival and I thought, right, this is the perfect time for me to go see it, let's go see it in a cinema. And it was fucking full, but... And it was, it was sort of like that thing where if you could have left at some point, I probably would, because there's some scenes where I feel like it, the director was just tripping on acid or something, and you're just like, man, my brain is actually melting watching this. And aye, it's definitely, if it's on, I'll watch the middle of it, and then when it gets to the third act, I'll just skip it. Yeah. Because just the middle part is so good, but the rest is just so fucking... It's like your brain becomes a fucking balloon and starts getting twisted into a wee dug. Yeah. That's the only way I could describe what your viewing experience becomes. Let's see. Let me pull up the famous clip of Hal 9000. Hello, Hal. Do you read
2: me? Do you read me, Hal? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it.
5: I don't know what you're talking about, Hal.
2: I know that you and Frank were planning to disconnect me. And I'm afraid that's something I cannot allow to happen. Where the hell did you get that idea, Hal? Abe, although you took very thorough precautions in the pod against my hearing you, I could see your lips move.
5: hell I'll go in through the emergency airlock
0: so that was that it is it's definitely one of those things where I think Stanley Kubrick was maybe like a bit of like a mad genius or like a, a mad scientist yeah. when it comes to his filmmaking whilst I haven't managed to watch sort of everything in his filmography I'm still slowly like every three months I maybe see one of his films that I've not seen before Like the other yeah. week we spoke Taking if we were on mic or not, but we're talking about Clockwork Orange. Aye. And I kind of got to see half an hour of that, so I feel I'm in the mood to watch that from the beginning, properly for the first time. And about that, Paths to Glory, uh, is it Barry Lyndon? And mm. there's so much fucking main movies for me to watch. But honestly, oh, like another wheat toast to the late Douglas Rain. Uh. Rest in peace, Hal. It's just
1: something really like unsettling about that voice. Yes, it's very calm,
0: and it's it's just like a lot. uh, There's some great paranoia going on, and you're just thinking, it's a really advanced piece of computer software that's cutting edge, and they're thinking, can anything go wrong? No, the computer's perfect, and then something goes wrong, and they're like, oh, the computer's paranoid. But we'll get a chance to have a look at that in the next year, hopefully. Yeah. Now, let's it to the the review yeah alright so Royal Tenenbaums from 2001 director Wes Anderson a a first time director for us I think we've covered another Wes Anderson Um. should we have a look at his filmography
3: ah yeah
0: Yeah, that's it Well, he doesn't have the biggest he he has uh, done a few short films and But we'll run through the list of his feature films. 18 films. So, his first film was 1994, the short film Bottle Rocket. Two years later, he turned that into a feature film. Um, And I think that was just him and Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson, and their brother Andrew Wilson,
3: Uh.
0: amongst a few other people. Uh, three friends plan to pull off a simple robbery and go on the run. Then 1998 you had Rushmore with Jason Schwartzman and Bill Murray. The extracurricular king of Rushmore Preparatory School is put on an academic probation. And this does not take a while. Then of course Royal Tenenbaums in 2001. So... Yeah. Directed by Wes Anderson, written by Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson. Now, the film stars Gene Hackman as Royal Tenenbaum, uh, Angelica Houston as Etheline Tenenbaum, Ben Stiller as Chaz, Gwyneth Paltrow as Margot, Luke Wilson as Richie, Owen Wilson as Eli Cash, Bill Murray as Lee Sinclair, Danny Glover as Henry Sherman. Seymour Castle is Dusty, Kumar Palalan is Pagoda, and Alec Baldwin is the narrator. Mike, what's the plot to the Royal Tenenbaums?
1: Um, no, I, I was a bit kind of like convoluted with what the actual plot was, mm-hmm. but the way that I've got it done is is that an eccentric family mm-hmm. are gathered together to deal with um, a real-life tragedy. Yes. But when you go on IMDb, it just says that an eccentric family are just stuffed in a house and stuff hands.
0: Aye, because that's it. They are all kind of... Whilst well, they are slowly being brought back together because their own personal crisis is... Mike, was this your first time watching the Royal Tenenbaums? Um,
1: now, I was convinced for fucking ages, like even before I picked up the film, that I had seen this film... Mm-hmm. I was convinced, and then when I was watching it today, it turns out i fucking never seen it before, ah. until the day, mm-hmm. and for the life of me, I cannot get it in my head of what I think I've seen, Yeah, it maybe. Was for some reason I thought I had seen it.
0: I wonder if you, maybe it's possible, well that's, it could be just confused with one of his earlier films, if it was Bottle Rocket or Rushmore, Rushmore was really accessible for a while, is that, or maybe Life Aquatic?
1: I've no, I've definitely no seen Life Aquatic oh I've, aye because they have that real... I've not seen Bottle Rock either but I still can't remember if I've actually seen Rushmore Rushmore or no. but yeah eh, so aye it's, it's a first time watch for me today. do aye
0: yeah. I've seen it um, fucking many years ago I think back at the stage where like Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson were all showing up in each other's films you were getting like Wedding Crashers, meet the meet the parents, Starsky uh, Zoolander, Starsky and Hutch. So in all around that time, I was like watching anything that those two were in. And I mean at the time as well, Ben Stiller and Noam Wilson were like hot property. Yes, exactly. And because was, I think it was like post Zoolander, they were red hot. Yeah. And then to see Royal Tenenbaums, it is definitely easily described as an offbeat comedy in comparison to those. Yeah. Um, it's a different style of comedy but it was was like funny but weird but funny and then watching back like watching it now I could appreciate so many things about it yeah but watching it back then I just thought this is one of their more weirder films yeah but it had such a fucking cast to it though aye Um, so what was your your reaction did you Um, enjoy the film?
1: yeah I quite enjoyed it Um, when you look at the cast and stuff and like there's like, I, I instantly came, like, when I was reading, like, the back of the, uh, well, when I, mean, I was reading the back of the, like, film case with, like, the synopsis on it, I thought, Gene Hartman. I thought, Aye. I fucking loved Gene Hackman in The Birdcage. Aye. And uh, so I thought, maybe I'm going to get something like this.
0: Yeah. I'd, that's a, Gene Hackman's like, a fucking, everything I see him in now, he's always fucking shining, like, he's... Always ends up stealing the film, whether it's *Unforgiven* or *The Fucking Birdcage*. Mm. Like the man could do it all, oh, and it's, it's not one of these actors you always think of, like Ken who's fucking brilliant, Gene Hackman. Yeah. And you just think, well, why? You need, to,
1: um, you need to check out his performance in um, *Mississippi Burning* with Willem Dafoe Aye. about the race riots and the Sixties. Yeah. Cause well, he was really good in that as well. It's a, it's a lot it's a lot darker film. I can imagine. But he is like, really good in it as well.
0: Mm-hmm. But I, to, as I said a little earlier, that I, I fucking I adore this film. It, it's one of those films where it could start off slow, but there's just so many things I appreciate when watching it, because you know you're watching a Wes Anderson film, so you know how the cinematography is going to go, how, the, the way the sets are designed, the choice of music, and every character's really eccentric yeah like, you can see how much fucking time and effort has been put into each fucking character whether it's it's Chaz and his kids and their matching fucking tracksuits uh, all the weird fucking things about Eli Cash or the fucking weird backstory to Margo even the fucking weird backstory that Pagoda's got it's just so fucking left fields like you wouldn't imagine his wee butler sidekick was also an assassin hired to kill him you're like what? Did um, I hear that right?
1: I quite liked the very, like, the... I liked how it was told in chapters. Ah, it it was, was almost like a book.
0: Yes, it, it fucking was. It was, like, literal storytelling. The film no, fucking started with an epilogue. Yeah. And I did... Every time I see that, I always loved to try and read that first sentence. Aye. And it was, like, Royal walked into the fucking hotel lobby and yeah. then cut to... It was him walking
1: um, in the hotel lobby. On the... As I noticed on the, on the Blu-ray, when you go to, like, the main menu, it's, like... Play movie, timeline, chapters. Mm, yes. And we go to the chapters, it gives you the chapter and it gives you the description at the start Aye. of the book. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I really liked like, the opening like, intro, if you will, yeah. when it gave you the whole rundown of all the family and stuff. Yes. And I didn't actually notice till I was doing my um, trivia stuff and my notes the night that it was Alec uh, Baldwin. It was doing the narration. Aye, because I was trying to figure out like who it was, and I couldn't really pick I, up on it.
0: Aye, uh, it was a well, it's a known voice, but I think I think I've found that, like I noticed it early on, but I think I was having my laptop up and I was doing my notes, and the film had just started, and you'd, I'd seen him as the last name on the credit list, like Alec Baldwin. So I just knew from there on, it's it's him. It's fucking Jack Donaghy for Theory Rock just sitting talking and he's a fucking great narrator. Like I, I think of it just because he's got that 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 deep voice. Mm. But you could just kind of narrate fucking perfectly. I know everyone gives props to like Morgan Freeman for being a cracker narrator but Alec Baldwin was fucking great in this. Yeah. And there, there was never any you like, never popped up in it anywhere. No. You were just clearly just sitting describing Every person and all their stories, like how he's was sitting talking about Margot, and or he was sitting narrate when Richie was on the boat type of messages going back and yeah. how he got back to shore, and and so that was a great use of fucking Alec Baldwin, because I don't think he's really showed up in any of the other ones.
1: Nah, um, but like, I I liked him um, on the intro it's he you all know, the rundown all the characters. I quite liked them, um, like Richie's no Richie. Um, quite liked them um, Charlie's story. About ah, how he was into uh, like real estate and stuff. Yes. And like, at yeah. the time he was like twelve year old, doing like, fucking Dalmatian mice and stuff, aye.
0: And mm-hmm. managed to fucking what cause his dad to lose his house. Yeah. And that he like, took him to like some sort of court because he was the fucking dad was cheating, stealing bonds from him. Yeah. Aye, and that's it. Everyone has such like a, a backstory, like Chaz's story of losing his wife and a. Airplane crash, which also had both his children and the dog Buckley. But everyone lived apart from the wife. You get that great shot where it's just Buckley in his cage and there's like a fire smouldering in the backgrounds. And I'm pretty sure you had Alec Baldwin talking about he was precisely like 100 metres from the crash sites, found fine in his cage. But it's just now given Chaz this fear of we need to prevent, like we need to be ready for any disaster happening at any point, I need to make sure my kids are safe. So he's now like this fucking broken man who's obviously not recovered from the death of his wife. Yeah. And then you have uh, Richie who's like, because they were all sort of child prodigies, uh, weren't they? They had Margot as the playwright. You had uh, Richie as the tennis player. Yeah. And then Chaz is a successful businessman and creator of fucking Dalmatian Mice... Which he, was it sold to like pet shops in Little Tokyo. Yeah. So it was clearly the the parents had lived off of the success of the children and then they all growed up to be not fucked up adults, but none of them were perfect. Yeah. And I'll give credit to Gweneth Paltrow, she does good in this.
1: I thought she was pretty good.
0: She's normally a person that like is you could is a bit marmite in films, sometimes like she she can be quite annoying, sometimes she does Really good. Like this one you just forget it's Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. You just kinda just take the character as it comes and she's full of her own fucking eccentrics. The fact that she has like a finger missing. Yeah, half a finger. <laughs> Aye. And you get those great wee shots where it shows you why she lost her finger and it's just she's fucking smoking a fire whilst the boy's chopping wood. And i through her then become a mess up arrow, it's great to see that she's fucking latched on to well. Bill Murray's character, yeah, that Raleigh. Ray Sinc- Aye, Raleigh Sinclair. And he's clearly like this psychologist or uh, yeah. the experiment on this boy Dudley. Yeah, he, he's fucking fragile himself because fucking Margot's such a train wreck that like spends her days sitting in the bathtub watching telly. And I love Angelica Houston's uh, criticising her. It's like, you're sitting in a tub with a TV hanging off a radiator. I've tried to do. It's like, Still, it's bad for your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and she's certainly like,
1: tapping the bathtub with a wee
0: wooden stump. Aye, exactly. Like wee characteristics like that are really well. And the fact that like, she's got this smoking habit that no one ever knew about, like, and she's had since she's twelve years old.
1: And the, the fact that like, she's like been married like fucking.
0: Yes, that, quite a few times. When you get that fucking private investigator and her whole backstory, is fucking. Everyone she's <laughs> had a relationship with. Because there was there no one where she's like married someone in a tribe? Aye. Yeah. And there's like a reggae album cover and she's the only like, fucking lassie in a bikini in the background yeah. in a hut. And that's the thing I always like about Wes Anderson films because they're that fucking different. And he, he goes as far as filming all these wee sequences because I think the only other example I think of is like the Cohen brothers when they are doing Big Lebowski and Jesus. Had was like he's a pederast. He has to introduce yeah. himself and they give you that external shot of him going door to door. <laughs> yeah, I probably about that. So, it's like, uh. I love it when directors kind of go to that effort to just kind of cut away and show you what they're going on about. And Wes Anderson does that whenever they need to find out a bit about Margot's backstory, they just cut to to her either getting her finger chopped off or her in the hat or um that fucking montage of all the her past relations. And yeah. even if it's just the fucking host of a TV show sitting feeling up her tits <laughs> and it's like wait a minute and it turns out to be the exact same TV host that's interviewing Eli Cash about his novel <sighs> where he gets lost on the word Wildcat yeah Hey Richie is another one it's one of those things where I think it's quite early on you see there's a thing Margot and Richie and they, they say up front Margot's the adopted sister yeah and they, they don't they don't go into any reason that like, why is she adopted. It doesn't matter. She's adopted. She's raised with the rest of them. Yeah. I it's, say it's, uh, like whenever
1: they're for dinner, like um Robin Freeman. Gene Hackman like always is like, always like acknowledges her as the adopted one. Aye.
0: <laughs> forever reminding her. Yeah. But Richie's always always had this like attraction to her like when they were fucking camping out in the fucking natural history museum.
1: I when, they, I when they were hiding, they broke out of school and that, and they, exactly. went, they went missing. Mm-hmm.
0: So, when she was doing, like, the there that famous breakdown he has, and all one's like, the fucking commentator's like, oh, he's took his shoes off, and one sock. <laughs> and it's just all these weird, like, why, why the choice of that? And he would just fucking fail this big game, and I loved how Gene Hackman's character was still fucking getting him shit for it, like, years later, <sighs> because... What was the deal with Gene Hackman's character? Uh, well Royal Tenenbaum? The they presumed he was dead for years. And then he showed up and uh, he, just to tell him that I'm now dying. Yeah. He's like, wait, we you, you're a fucking asshole. You said you were dead for years. And he'd just been sitting in a fucking hotel room. Like obviously some sort of penthouse for fucking years. Yeah. With um, Pagoda. Exactly. And oh, when I just think of Pagoda I just think of him in the term was like, Do you have an appointment? <laughs> That is the same boy, isn't it? Your face is doing the plane at the end. It fucking is, I'm sure. That's
1: fucking so... exactly, you don't
0: have it? Yeah, I swear, like on a shiny pound coin. Because yeah. is that not the same dude that ended up being in Zack and Mary make a porno? As the manager of the coffee shop. I
1: don't think so. You know, I was actually thinking that myself. But I don't think it was... Kumar Palalan was his name. Oh, he, he was ninety four when he died he fucking was he was the guy he was the one that was facing the plane yes in the terminal
0: asking if it had an appointment
1: um, 31 credits
0: because he was famous for 40 year old virgin because he worked in the the electronics store that the gang worked in
1: um, okay. he was in Bottle Rocket Rushmore Rotating Bombs.
0: So he's always been like a
1: terminal. Uh, he was not in. Was he not in 40 Old Virgin? not nah, that guy, he was a coffee shop owner for Zach and Murray. Right. He was in Darjeeling Limited
0: as well. Man, I'm getting my Indian actors mixed up. Yeah. But aye, I, I <laughs> think he was definitely the dude for terminal.
1: Yeah.
0: That's it. <laughs>
1: Facing in the plane while I'm walking uh, his hands. Fucking adore that. film. like, hey, like, the hands I like, on my notes, I was got like, about like Anderson's like directing style and stuff. And like, I can safely say that I've seen this and Grand Budapest. And like when I was watching Tenor Bombs, like like you seen, you can tell us a Wes Anderson type form, like the mm-hmm. choice, of, like fucking cinematography and like the color scheme and some of the yes, that so as well. it's
0: always like a real like. Pastel, like like it's always light pink, There's not, there's never like a strong <coughs> color. Yeah, it's always very washed down.
1: One well, of the first things I did pick up on was the uh, the way showing us like gypsy cabs in the seventies. Aye, and mm. like they were all just all fucking like rust buckets. They were all banged up and all and yeah. like, like not one of them got any better as the film went on.
0: Mm-hmm. And well, that's it because they rarely used gypsy cabs, and it's like when you had Dudley like. This one's got a dent in it. This has several dents in it, and it didn't even have like a fucking like a a window. It was yeah, like it was like one like a wee part of wood or something. Exactly, or just like a strip of fucking cardboard with taped to the door. Uh-huh. But it's just all these fucking wee, wee details, and like the the camera work, the cinematography. Where there's just simple moves, like where I didn't have it was just because. It was a simple filming style, but it almost felt like it was first person at times. Where a conversation between maybe Margot and Richie on the rooftop when they're smoking vags, the camera's just looking for one to the other, and it's just like it's—you could see the camera shaking and stuff. But it's just—it's just, it's just na- like a natural back yeah. and forwards. And the same when Chaz was doing like his fire escape, you could see the person with the camera walking backwards, and the camera shaking a little. But you would just do this—just very simple, straightforward cinematography. But. Is it, his films would probably be really trippy if they were done in 3D because it's was, it was things he would perfect in later films where you'd be in one room and then the camera starts zooming out and that room you were originally in would be at the bottom of a fucking hallway by the time the camera's fucking zoomed out and you just think, how does the boy think of this? Like, practically. His cinematographer, I, I think it was maybe the name Robert Yeoman or something, like, must be, like, a fucking excellent cinematographer. I, I've never looked up what other fucking films he's done unless he's just part of Wes Anderson's stable because I feel that's he's always had the same feel in cinematography in his films. Yeah. But he's always you notice there's like a few maybe long takes, maybe towards the end. Um I uh
1: <clears throat> one, one, one I did notice was that the with the with <clears throat> the name. What's his name? When car Eli crash. crashes a car, yes, and it's
0: that long shotgun for like the fire truck, yeah, up and through the house, and where he fucking takes the dog spark plug, and it is it just it must have had like the whole cast outside, and then it just kind of, the camera scans across every one of them, and they're all in the middle of their own conversations, but it's just like the camera's eavesdropping on them, and it, it's things like that, just. The thought of maybe like the storyboard work and things that, right, let's just do this in one take rather than having seven or eight different cuts to different people talking. It just kind of shows you that this boy is. I, I, I've already used the term mad genius tonight, but I feel Wes Anderson is like a different breed of director.
1: Yeah, um, i done pretty much, he's done every. With Anderson from the
0: cinematographer Yeah. what was his name I feel I got it wrong Um,
1: Robert Yalman oh ok That was I was actually on uh, the bottom there of the noticeable titles he was the director of photography for Dogma oh aye he was the director of uh, photography for that Red Eye oh ok on you caught the other week get him to the Greek Bridesmaids Oh right so Ghostbusters the new one that yeah yeah <clears throat> And the new Mamma Mia from. Oh well,
0: got to pay the mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm going to talk about a little bit about Royal and his sort of stable characters. Obviously, we've mentioned Pagoda, but it's um, the other guy, Dusty, yeah. who is like the the sort of the concierge in the hotel or the 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 guy that runs the the elevator. Oh yeah. And it's when he needs to have the convincing story that he's got stomach cancer. And he just gets the boy that works in the elevator and dresses him up as a doctor to talk to the family. And he's having this conversation, right? He suffers from stomach cancer, he's got this going on. And his beeper goes off at one moment. And as the boy's like, You need to do a double shift tonight, cheers, or I'll pay you back. And it's just something (laughs) that his actual job messages him and looks away. Comes back to it, but it's just the fucking balls on Royal Tenenbaum to come up with this story of, right, I need to get back in the good favour. I can't have my, my wife marrying a coloured mm. guy. I need to get back in here. <sighs> and he's, he comes up with this fucking hospital and his, all his fucking medication, his Tic Tacs. He's got all the hospital gear in his house and he's lying there. It's first when he breaks
1: the news to um, Ethel. Aye, she and she fucking... fucking breaks down in front of him and start Then obviously when he's like, he's like, he's like, "All right, I'm no dying." Yeah. And he's your proper
0: fucking beltsome. Aye. He's like, "But I'm I'm dying." I thought he was gonna do that excuse like, <laughs> "We're all dying," like minute to minute. We're actually. All dying. I thought he was gonna have like an excuse like that, but then when he gets fucking dusty, dressed up as the fake doctor, uh-huh. and Pagoda is like his nurse yeah and he's just sitting to changed the fucking spare room into like a wee hospital yeah room and he's fucking sitting in his fucking McDonald's Ah, exactly and fucking Danny Glover's character fucking Sherman is like oh he's onto him eh exactly he knows he's full of shit <laughs> and especially when he's like no guy with stomach cancer fucking eats three cheeseburgers and fries a day it's like, Jesus Christ, three cheeseburgers and fries, that's a
4: lot.
1: <laughs> Fuck. But, um, after admit, I did quite like Daniel Lewis'
0: character in this. Uh, he does not get a lot of screen time in nah. it, but he does well. And it's, it kind of comes out of the blue because Pagoda, whilst he's not part of the hotel, he's like a mole. Uh, he's in the house. And it's when uh, Sherman says "I'm like, for tax purposes, it might be worth getting divorced. And also, would you marry me? And the the timing of Angelica Houston looking up and Pagoda looking up outside in the garden, taking off his headphones, clearly listening in on their conversation. And as like when he fit back, it's like the black man, he's proposed. <laughs> but him and Angelica Houston do alright. It's like they don't get a lot of scene stealing yeah. They maybe they have that one where they're on like the archaeological dig site, and he just fucking falls into one of the open pits. And she continues walking and talking and he's not there. You need to see him climbing out covered in fucking dirt. But, as you said, when he catches on to Royal and they have that fucking shouting match in the oh, kitchen. Oh, the kitchen, uh, he's uh, sitting
1: there fucking
0: smoking quite a fag. where he's sitting smoking a fag. And he's like, I know what you're up to. He's like, you know what I'm up to? He's like, yeah, coal train. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I'm thinking, like, I've always wondered—is that just a racial slur, or is there's a mayor behind that? He's like, "Call a cold train." Yeah, yeah. He's like, "You call me cold train?" No. no. <laughs> he's like, he, he bitches it immediately. He's like, no, no. And it's like, nah, I know what you're up to. And it's like, how do you know? And he fucking drops the news that his wife had stomach cancer. And it's like, yeah, didn't really have an answer for that one. And then it's like, you wanna talk some jive with me? And sounds like I talk jive, and they start fucking screaming at each other and it's fucking Danny Glover's got some pipes on him. When he fucking shouts at him, he's like, I would fucking sit down <laughs> if he fucking shouted at me. But just as soon as hackman was like, you want to talk some jive? <laughs> and like, this, this is fucking two old boys for the fucking 70s who want to start a scrap. Another great Royal Tenenbaum moment is, well, Royal, the character himself, is when he takes Chaz's kids away for a wee rebellious uh, day. Yeah. Where, what's it, you've got them Chucking water balloons at taxis. Yeah. You've got them uh, riding on the back of uh, Ben Lorries. Uh huh. You've got them. Um, so they're when they're using the BB guns? I think that's a. F- was that a flashback where he shoots Chaz uh, in the hands? oh uh, yeah, so it was. Yeah. So it was. Um, I know they do. They go to a dog fight, but that's at the very, very end for a split second. Yeah. Um, they jump in the water in the pool. Yes. Cause that's it. He, he wants the kids to live a little because they're under the thumb of his dad crunching numbers, and it is just like a great wee sequence where they they're not going but go karts as well at one point. Aye, and there's, he gets all these great wee one liners. He's right. Like, okay, let's shag ass. <laughs> it's was like, oh, that's a fucking brilliant expression. Like, cause that's he's like, more than saying let's go, but I'm like come on, let's shag ass. It's like man, that's a I feel like I want to work that expression into my daily living. So come on, boys! We're running late for nursery. Let's shag ass. Go, go, go! But is a nice wee sequence? Because the soundtrack is like a mixture of like seventies music. Because I think there's you see credits for like Bob Dylan and Rolling Stones mixed in there. Yeah. I mean, do you have like a? Is it? I don't want to put the answer in your mouth. But is it fair to say that Gene Hackman steals this film? Aye. he does. Mm. I him. Um, just just slightly
1: in front of um, Owen Wilson, I think. I think. Yeah. Owen Wilson's got a very Crazy. interesting fucking character. He does, eh? Because he was... He's the best pal of uh, Richie. Aye. 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 Yeah. He'd
3: want to he's not stay... sort of like the family friend that Aye, lives across wanted the, to the stay road. He's the one
0: stayed directly across from him. He used to like... He's, like... He always probably wanted to be a Tenenbaum <laughs> kid because he lived with his auntie. Aye. So he never... Found out why he didn't have a family. But. It was
1: when he was getting fucking quiz by Royal when he was a kid. Aye. And, and he was like... And he was talking about, like fucking, like, fucking, like... Like, are you here for the night? And he's like, well, yeah. He's like, I'm friends with Richie and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I like, growing up, he's
0: just... Kind of went off the rails a bit. Aye? Sends all the wee fucking mail clippings to Angelica mom, Houston. Aye. I was like, why does he do that? Because... One of them is like picture him in leather trousers with a knee shirt, and he's cut a snake in half. <laughs> and he's like, "Why? Why is fucking Eli sending this to you? Oh, he does it all. Like his fucking grades for school. Every time he gets like a, a bit of press, because he be, also comes on to be like a an author. Like he kind of does it like what I just assume is like Western novels. Bye. Seems to be what his speciality is. And again, he's also must always had this affection for Margot. Yeah, but it's it's just when he goes fucking fucking crackers at the end, because they all like he's got a problem himself. He's got like issues with drugs and yeah. Do they not go to check him in the rehab and then cut to him driving down the road with his face painted? I am um, they go to uh,
1: it's after Rich's episode. They go to the house and he's fucking like cutting the fucking coke on the table with yeah. credit card and that with the two guys
0: aye like they're just complete what was like a random <coughs> strangers but yeah. it could be just like peers and they're like it's like oh
1: I'll just I'll go get my coat and then Pagoda's just like yep there he goes aye and
0: he's fucking legging it aye and there's a great moment early on where he he sneaks into the house and he's leaving and you've got Gene Hackman at the window looking at him and he's like look at this fucking kid. oh uh, yeah and it's after he's flicked a fag out the window. Aye, stamps out and he looks up to me and just reaches to the sky. <laughs> <laughs> like just a fucking nutter. Going a bit with his cowboy hat. Yeah.
1: Aye. I quite like his role in this one. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, it's with the whole wedding thing at the end and he shows up in the car and he's completely fucking out of his tits.
0: Yes. And he's driving at full fucking speed. Aye. And I think this could be a theme in Wes, Anderf- Wes Anderson films. To be honest, I don't think he likes dogs. Because if you watch them all, there seems to be a theme. Oh, something bad happens to a dog in his movies. Try to think. Buckley ends up under the car. Yeah. Uh, a dog gets shot in Moonrise Kingdom. I'm pretty sure a dog gets tortured in Isle of Dogs, but that
1: whole cast is fucking yeah. dogs. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything significant happens in Grand Budapest. Ah, yeah, actually, you're right. I'm thinking if can there's any animals in it's that on, one it's on fucking Netflix so I'm like can I might actually go home and watch that tonight aye revisit I love, I love fucking Ray Fiennes' character in that film exactly but um obviously you get the whole Royal comes clean after getting found because it's when he's um, what's his name Henry Henry's on the phone yeah. to like the medical board place or whatever trying I to know. find out all the details and, and
0: find out it. In touch with his doctor and Yeah, none of it exists yeah and he's like is that a fucking tic tac aye it a perfectly in his hands because <laughs> I think when you look at all the stuff he has on his table there's a pack of tic tacs in amongst all the medicine
1: bottles
0: yeah so he's obviously just taking them out and just filling them all up with tic tacs
1: and then obviously I mean the hangers as well as Royal Kings has been found out doesn't he try and argue
0: with it, he just decides to go and pack his shit. Aye. And I like it, because it, it breaks him down, and then he eventually tries to work his way back up. Like, they get a room at the, like, the YMCA or something, Yeah, and they've no one got money to pay for it.
1: Oh, fucking and
0: what is it? They cry at the Y, and then... As they're going out to the taxi, fucking Pagoda stabs him with a penknife. Yeah. <laughs> like finishing his job that he was hired to do fucking <laughs> decades back. <laughs> he's like, son of a bitch, that's the last time you'll stab me. And he's, Nick, and cut to them in the Y and he's sitting fucking stitching him up. And he's going, oh, you little bastard. <laughs> he's like, why did you do it to me? And, why are you stitching me up? Why are you still being so loyal? <laughs> um.
1: But aye, it's just them. Um, obviously, everybody's fucking, because when he's everybody's under the illusion that he's like dying, mm-hmm. Richie takes to him again, eh? Aye, and he's like really fucking sucked in with him. Eh?
0: Definitely, and they're all fucking. They're just betrayed the fact that he's. Yeah. And the same and with then, Charles, because he fucking hates him, and yeah. then to find that he was lying just fucking proves the point of how much he fucking hates him.
1: Yeah, and then fucking obviously that's when it leads to. Uh, Richie fucking attempting suicide which is a v- a very dark fucking point yes. of form and it's something that I'd never seen coming
0: nah uh, well, and it was it interesting first.
1: because he fucking he was shaving his fucking beard out. he was cutting he's all his, hair his image completely yeah
0: because that's he he's always had this long hair basically was like Borg, basically. aye big, big ass sunglasses and his beard yeah but it's, it was like that news for his dad lying to him and then they get the investigator from Margot oh yeah like, she's been smoking because when he's walking with her aye she drops the fags yeah they're your that's, that's your cigarettes and it's like I don't smoke I've seen them fall out of your pocket uh. and she's like they're not mine she's just like this perfect liar but uh, her and uh, Raleigh is like together uh. like, Raleigh is that I suspect she's cheating and fucking Richie's smashing the fucking window on the roof. Yeah. And a paint a glass. And it's Raleigh, whilst he's this intelligent, intellectual, so clearly couldn't he see that fucking Richie's infatuated with Margot as much as him, if not more. Yeah. And it's like together they go to the investigator and you get that montage of her. Starts smoking. Starts dating this guy. Dating that guy. Kissed, like, pretty much every... Yeah. Like, even every fucking country kissed. Like, some lassie in France. Uh, This guy, that guy. And then it's on a bus with fucking Eli. Yeah. So, and they just... The lassie's been a boot. Mm. And I think that... I think of that together with the news that Royal was fucking lying to him was enough to fucking push Richie over the edge. And, man, it's... It's such a dark scene like, like the choice of music yeah like was it something like what was the lyrics they were repeating like feeling the hate I can't mind. and there's just like this guitar strumming and the way that the, the scene's lit like this dark blue light yeah and it's and fucking Dudley that me finds aye and it's like it is it's this thing you'll see in uh, Wes Anderson films straight after it where something big happens and the sound cuts it, and then everyone's running so quickly and they're all almost like cartoonishly covered in his blood every one of them's got like sort of the same blood splatter across yeah his clothes but the the fucking the cinematography of him cutting everything short and he says to himself like I'm gonna kill myself he says it tomorrow yeah and then decides ah, I'll just do it right now and it's just the fucking shot where you just see him take the razor blade he looks at his arms and the fucking fl- floods is like the elevator from The Shining the amount of uh, blood that I just started fucking pouring out, and you're like, Jesus. It just kind of collapse against the wall and just. I he just like sits down and you look clearly and gets lightheaded and just sits there and just starts fucking pouring blood. And it is, it's a fucking hard scene to watch. But to think of it, I can't even think of, like, think of on screen sort of suicide attempts I've seen in films. And there's not really a lot of examples coming to my head. The only other thing I could sort of compare it to. Well, you don't see it happen, but in Little Miss Sunshine, Steve Carell's character uh, slashes his wrists in a suicide attempt. But I don't think you see any of that on, character, uh, on camera. You just see him afterwards when they pick him up for the hospital. And uh, he's got all his wrists bandaged. Alright. Uh, but. Um, then obviously, everybody rushes to the
1: hospital. And <laughs> that's fucking. That's Chaz. Oh, and they're like, oh, I'm like, you wrote a suicide note. <laughs> like, it's like, can we read it? No. Like, why? It's a like, suicide
0: it's like, note. Well, 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 can you paraphrase it then? Ah, <laughs> he's like, no. Is it dark? It's a suicide note. Of course it's dark. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just so insensitive. But he's he's equally curious at the same time. And um, it's, it's, it's like that sort of, it's the wake-up call the family sort of yeah, needs.
1: And it's fucking, it's uh, Royal and fucking uh, Bugoda when they show up with their fucking
0: bellwop <laughs> attire I, on. And uh, they get to the hospital late and it's like, it, is my name on the list? They don't want to see me and the security guards lurching over, l- staring at them. But by that point, fucking... He's already signed
1: to sell it. Exactly. Gets on that bus and it's, <laughs> it's what he says to uh, Vigona. He's like, can you lose half bath for somebody who's trying to commit suicide?
0: Hi, <laughs> It looks good. <laughs> it's got some colour about <laughs> him. <laughs> uh, and, and that's it. it it's... it's the things that they make you laugh in the, such Aye. the darkest context yeah. because uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou has a scene equally as disturbing in it that kinda comes out of nowhere and like I I think if it's just a theme that there's just these sobering moments in his films. And yeah. I I can't quite picture uh, Grand Budapest Hotel other than when they're being stopped by the I don't know, is it the Nazis where they're on the train checking the passports oh, and they start battering Ralph Fiennes. Oh, and he's back Bellboy. Aye, like on the second the second time the train's boarded. Then <laughs> you pretty much just
1: get, like, the fight, like, also with the wedding. Aye. And then you get what happens,
0: like, after the wedding. Aye, because that's, like, Yeah, the ending, more or less, is sort of the family getting back. Years later, Margot's written a new play, and it's about her dysfunctional family. And it is, you see, the, their interpretation of Royal on stage... Talking, then you have Raleigh's published a book called Was It Dudley's World? Aye, or something like that. Uh, Eli is in rehab. Eli's in rehab. uh, Richie teaching tennis to kids. Yeah, and Chaz is being a bit more of a carefree parent, I think, from what I could remember. Aye, because you see him with um, his two boys and the royal. Riding the fucking yes, garbage truck. Aye, and that and the music—it's it's like a it's a happy note to to end it on, and then it cuts to, well, you got Alec Baldwin narrating the fact that Chaz is the only person to witness Royal's death, mm. and it just cuts to them in the ambulance, fucking staring at each other, and yeah. holding hands, and just like, man, like it, the 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 fucking pull punches so quick, and say, oh, it's all happy and then watches him die. He's like Jesus yeah. Christ And then you got a wee laugh with the funeral. Aye. The I've taken a note of it, what they put on the fucking tombstone, died <laughs> tragically, rescuing his family from the wreckage of a destroyed sinking battleship. <laughs> and it's it's the priest doing this the service where he stops, looks at it and he's like, What the
1: fuck? <laughs> but it's the same priest that was one that was gonna marry um, Aye. Ethel and fucking Henry. Aye, because he the, the cause he gets pushed in the stairs when by Chaz goes to just, fucking aye, kill Eli. Eli. Yeah, and I, what I like about that scene as well is it's almost a, it's a fucking tiny compact house. Yeah, and like you see, like Eli run up the stairs and he like runs like into the kitchen and like fucking Vigoda like feeds him something. Aye, and uh, then runs back down the stairs and pushes the fucking priest in the stairs as well.
0: And it's a it's a fucking poor stuntman just going flying <laughs> down the stairs and. You have them fighting, but it's a great thing where the buildings are that small because one side it's the back garden for the wedding, and the next side it's in like a, almost like a wee memorial uh, sort of like cemetery ah, thing, eh? Exactly. Whereas they're just that condensed, but they're both lying there. It's like the moment's past and they're kind of lucky that, if, lucky that all cunts alive. Time to counter with a BBT. <sighs> yeah. What'd you rate the budget for this one was? And uh, again, let's say 15.
1: 21. All right. You reckon it
0: made the money back? I
1: would say just. Uh, domestically, it took 52.3. Holy fuck. And for a market, it took 19, so it made 71 mil worldwide. That so three times its money back.
0: Exactly, that's a
1: decent return. I mean, it's kind of like like... Wes Anderson forms are... Kinda of like indie films, eh? Yes,
0: it, like that's it. It's, Bit like they're indie, but they've always got like bigish names. Yes, and big bud. Well, I was to say big budget, but like big studios backing them. It's it is it's as indie as big Hollywood gets, and it's also such. I feel like a niche market. Like it's no like. Everyone's gonna enjoy a Wes Anderson film. Yeah. So. And uh, you've, you you don't want to send like a fucking, uh, like a right knob in a way, just to say, oh, well, uh, Wes Anderson's like this smart person's comedy. You don't want it to be like that fucking yeah. dick. There's, I'm trying like, because that's it. Like, we like these films, but you don't want to say, like, we're better than other people for enjoying these films. It's, yeah. There's no, like, say, I don't want to say Andy here, but, like, if he watched it and didn't like it, I think he does like this film, but just to say that he didn't enjoy maybe Grand Budapest Hotel and we enjoyed it. We don't, we don't want to th- think less of Andy yeah. because it's, but we know Wes Anderson's style of filmmaking is jarring in comparison to a lot of other, like let's just say Step stepbrothers. Yeah. Two completely fucking different animals but both are classed as comedies. So, but when you say it, sometimes you just feel like you're acting like a posh cunt and it's like I'm not trying to be a posh cunt, but they they are generally good films. Uh, and it's like there are only certain folk you could talk to them talk to about uh, Wes Anderson films.
1: Like, so I guarantee that like, like, Michelle wouldn't like like these films. I think she'd be
0: bored to fucking tears. Aye, uh, because that's it. Like, it could be the offbeat, and then there's just something really weird happening, like like that shot where Raleigh's sitting recording stuff with Dudley, and he's like recreate the sh- same shape as I have. And Dudley does it completely different. And he talks about the red block. And he's narrating. He's like... With we dictator. R- microphone. Saying, yeah. well, he's shows signs that. He's got excellent hearing, but also colourblind. And Dudley's yeah. on the other side of the building's like... What? I'm colourblind? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like... actually like, that, that fucking tickle me. But people was just like... How's that funny? Why's that funny? And it's just weird. It's something I can't describe. I'm not yeah. smart enough to put in words. But... Aye. So that was the budget the box office time for the trivia the original hawk that
1: played Mordecai mm-hmm. was kidnapped and held to ransom during filming what yeah Jesus
3: Man, and I wonder because if they of,
1: like the timing and all that like that was why there was a different hawk at the end we're of the film white fellas. and that was why like I mean the, the like, they acknowledged that because they were like is it the same Mordecai because he's like got like white yeah and it's like what um, what were was we saying like he started to like like, like, matte, like his fur was matting or whatever, whatever his fur whatever yeah, the fuck it is his yeah Danny Glover look and Owen Wilson turned down Ocean's Living to do this film ah That's has roughly around that same
0: time that was filming ah. Amazon one star reviews you think um I'm going to have to go off the cuff I've not actually got them written down so I'll go on the Amazon app have a little look Obviously, we like to encourage our listeners to shop at Amazon via filmsandswearing.com. It's coming up for Black Friday. Time to get yourself a, an Echo Dot or whatever those fucking things are cried. The listening devices that we're putting in our houses. When is Black Friday again? Is it next Friday? Yes, I feel it. Like, is it like the 24th of November? Something along those lines. Uh, let's have a look. Royal Tenenbaums. 147 reviews. One star reviews, there is 18. Uh, Lily writes, one star tells it all. Not really Lily, we look for a little bit more information than that. That's what it was. Yep. Uh, oh, here we go. Um, by Colin Rhodes, obnoxious movie. I enjoyed watching Grand Budapest so I thought I would check on his other films, A Mistake. The film is derivative, Any approaching, anything approaching a good idea has been stolen from a non-American movie that presumably Anderson had seen at a film festival. Characters obnoxious American brats, rather similar to the equally obnoxious bunch in the Darling G Limited. Rare for me that I couldn't be bothered to get to the end.
1: Alright, so didn't finish
0: your film. Aye. But, thinking, similar to the, it's like, well, obviously, Wes Anderson's taken things from his life and put it on film, but, saying he's stolen ideas from a film festival, or he's stolen ideas from foreign films. Uh. Okay, sure. Uh, let's see, X-Rental, the disc was scratched. Oh well. So they are our one-star reviews. As I said before, filmsdisfire.com, click on Amazon link and do some shopping that is the best way to support films and swearing and buy yourself some cool shit at the same time I am really wanting to buy those um, fan documentaries about I remember I said it last week Camp Crystal Lake and uh, yeah. Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street yeah it's a 3 disc DVD that's six ninety nine. Oh. I'm like man I just want to buy it but I'm just holding off because I've just just look at look at all that shit on the bookcase behind me of shit I've bought and not watched. I uh, know I was fucking box sets and box sets. I
1: and mean, the stuff I have, so I've still got that's like still in its clement shrink ram.
0: Now I did mention on Twitter earlier tonight that we were going to be talking about films uh, for the podcast. Uh, obviously, Royal Tenenbaums, Stanley, Douglas Rain, and all that, and asked our our Twitter audience to reply back. Stu McPherson. At Dirty Stew wrote, Outside of Tarantino, is Wes Anderson the best director that manages to get an actor to play roles that wouldn't think would suit them and make it work? For example, Hackman in Royal Tenenbaums, Clooney in Fantastic Mr. Fox, or Ralph Fiennes in Grand Budapest Hotel. Now, he's right in saying that because I feel Seeing Bruce Willis show up in a Wes Anderson film was something I never thought I would see. Was that a big role or was that a wee role? It was. Um, I would say probably have an equal amount of screen time as maybe, um, like Danny Glover oh, in right. this one. He does get a few lines, gets he's in a quite a few scenes, but I'm not sure because obviously it's now famous that uh, Bruce Willis is, is hard to a harder a hard actor to work with but I feel if he was working on a Wes Anderson film he would probably be on his best behaviour just because I imagine Wes Anderson's a big name to work with so he probably was more compliant than other directors I mean like we talk about like you know,
1: like would you ever see like this actor being in this director's film we're talking about how we're going to finally see Al Pacino in a Tarantino film next year yes and just kinda of wondering what because of like what like like what his director style is, like what sort of role he's gonna have. Um I mean as well, like look at like what Tarantino done for say fuck leave Leo DiCaprio and um Django. Yeah. A completely different character for the what mm-hmm. he usually plays. I mean, uh I fucking I love Refines in the Grand Budapest aye um, I of say I, I've seen Fantastic Mr Fox so I I not really say what mm-hmm. I'm assuming George Clooney was the actual Fox
0: yes he was he? Mr Fox I would actually a, a good example I've, I've just managed to think of is I would like to see Christoph Waltz in a Wes Anderson film aye. I was just scanning through his filmography just now and he hasn't worked with him yet I, I actually just assumed he was a dog in uh, Isle of Dogs. Right.
1: But I suppose because like he would maybe fit into like type of Quirky humour. Yeah, because like even though it was a really fucking horrible role he played in uh, in Glorious Bastards, he was quite funny. Yes. I, it, and totally. like he's the way he misinterpret things and the way he like missays things like like, like that's a bingo and Aye, stuff. I fucking and love it when he says that. Yeah, like we're saying, he's so fucking giddy. Yes. Um. I mean, he kind of played a bit more of a straightly serious role in Django. Mhm. But I'm trying to think. Does he? Does he really have anything funny in Django? Does he?
0: Nah. It just sort of is to like how he's well read, and he's going to as like a travelling uh, dentist. Yeah. But when he has all the rights for shooting these people and has all the papers. Like it's just how sort of peppy and campy is. He's just yeah, so kinda prim like and proper, uh, kind of like Tim Roth and uh, hateful, hateful yeah, exactly. Aye, so but fuck. So aye, that was Stu McPherson's. We tweet to us, and that's I would. I'm looking. I'm just, I just. I could have swore I'd seen news about Wes Anderson casting people in his new in a new film, but IMDb do not have a scrap information. So, no. I'm, I must be thinking of someone else cast, like some other ones casting news. But no. Isle of Dogs this year, so I guess that's it. Give it another two years before he probably shows up again with another project. Because yeah. that's him done two um, stop motion animated films. And, I, I'd, again, I'd recommend Isle of Dogs to people as well. It's a really well-done film. Like, you can appreciate the craft yeah. of stop-motion animation and just how fucking crazy the story is and a whole fucking plethora of actors that showed up for it. Because yeah. I can Like, Brian Cranston was, like, one of the main ones for this one. Oh, was he? So, but... Um, I think on that note uh, as we mentioned about Twitter there you can follow us on the social media sites with the handle at FAS Podcast works for Instagram, Twitter, Facebook Patreon remember patreon.com forward slash FAS Podcast will cease to exist come January so if you want access to our back catalogue of podcasts audio commentaries you need to get in now other than that What's next for the Films and Swearing Movie podcast? Episode 206 will be our review of... Kung Fu Hustle. Stephen Child's Kung Fu Hustle. Yes. That and Death Proof are... uh, Kung Fu Hustle definitely come first. That was, I think, 2003, maybe? Maybe later? Yeah. Maybe 2000. Close. that. So, yes. Stephen Child's Kung Fu comedy, Kung Fu Hustle, is going to be the next film for us to review in our... Never mind November. And that's it. Till next time. Ladies and gentlemen, let's shag ass.